Bear on Bears fans, another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast coming your way. We got news all over the place. Of course, Justin Fields, Caleb Williams talk is coming your way. Adam Schefter spoke yesterday and talked about what the Chicago Bears could get back by trading the first round, first overall pick or trading Justin Fields. Got to break that down here on the Chicago Bears pod. And of course, there's some uh, there's some rumors around a former teammate of J-Max here that uh, the call might be coming. Will Devin has to get into the Hall of Fame. It feels like it's finally going to happen. We'll be talking about that as well. All that more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button. Leave that five-star review. Y'all know what to do. And drop a bar down in the comments below. J-Mac, what's going on, baby? How you feeling? Oh, Birdman hands. Yeah. You Birdman hands Man, in it right I, now. I feel good. Uh, you know, it's it's you know I'm excited about everything that you said, but I'm also excited today is uh, – National Signing Day, the second National Ooh, Signing Day for yeah. high school. So uh, I've got a lot of kids signing, man. We're, we're going to have uh, probably about 10, 10 kids that are going to have the opportunity to go on and play uh, college football. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of the kids. They've worked hard. They've earned this opportunity uh, through what they've done in the classroom, the weight room, and on the football field. So big day, big day for, for Carmel Catholic High School. I think this will be the most kids that we've had uh, I don't know. I think it's the most we've had in one year uh, signing, yeah. you know, scholarship opportunities to play football. So I'm most having, under your tenure to this point, definitely in my tenure. Yeah, we've had we've had some class. We've had like four guys, five guys this year. Like I said, we're going to have 10 plus guys, um, you know, going all over all divisions, division one, one double a division two. So it's an exciting day. Uh, so I got that coming up this afternoon. Guys signing their letters, uh, their national letters of intent. Uh, but yeah, man, like you said, a lot, a lot of news right now, draft news, you know, yeah. the Hall of Fame. And, and, you know, trust me, people are texting me. I don't know. I don't have the inside scoop. You know, <laughs> have I talked to Devin this week? Yes, multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> but I know nothing. Hey. I know nothing. We'll, hey. we'll find hey. out tomorrow. Y'all stay away. Y'all stay away. Yeah, He's we'll, ours right we'll, now. We'll, we'll, get away from my podcast. Lose my cell phone number. I don't know all these weird text messages, man. Hey, man, if you ain't, you haven't, you know, texted me before and called up, yeah. called and checked up on J Mac. Don't call me now trying to find inside information because guess what? You're gonna get no response. I'm gonna leave you on unread, or I'm gonna leave you on read with no response. But uh, yeah, it's an exciting time, man. I, I, I'm I'm really excited. I got goosebumps just waiting for the. Uh, you know, to see what happens uh, tomorrow when they make all the announcements. Dog, that's so weird to me. I'm not going to lie. It's the reason why most of the stuff that I've done over on The Breeze has been all verse, no features. Mm -hmm. Because, like, bro, like, if I don't know you, it's weird for me to just be like, like, I've had people be like, hey, here's this guy's phone number. Yeah. Give him a call. Yeah. Give him a call? Right. I ain't never met this man in my life. Like, even shooting a text, like, I don't know. That's weird to me. It's probably why... Um, it's taken so long for me to get to this point, but I, hey, I'm still here. I'm still here, but it's just, it's a weird dynamic. Like, it just, hey man, how's it going? This is a uh, path of designer from the yeah. Windy City Breeze, the Chicago Bears podcast. Just wanted to know if you were interested. Nah, bro, I ain't, I, I can't, I don't know. Yeah. It ain't happening. Weird dynamic, bro. Yeah, it ain't happening. That's code, man. Locker room code, like a player will never, will never give each other's cell phone numbers out, especially media outlets or just people in general without, Asking first, and that's, I mean, not even locker room etiquette. That's just etiquette in general. Human etiquette, yeah. dog. You know like, I mean? 
Hey, bro, don't give my number to nobody. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I changed my number. Well, I'm lying. I've had the same number since sixth grade. So, oh wow, yeah, yeah. yeah. young man. I'm, I'm I'm riding strong. I had I had yeah. one of them. Uh, they, they was uh, uh, <laughs> never mind. That was about to be a wild joke. Anyway, hey, appreciate y'all for tuning in. Let's talk a little football. <laughs> that was about to be crazy. It was gonna be funny though. <laughs> off pod. Uh, let's start it off here though because I think this is the big conversation. Uh, from yesterday that we've had here on the station. Adam Schefter came on with Waddle and Sylvie yesterday about 3 p.m. and uh, basically broke down kind of what compensation the Bears could be looking at. I think we all knew what compensation could be there for Caleb, right? We've talked about the hall, but I want to start this off talking about Justin Fields and then working our way back into what that pick is because I think what, what Shefty said yesterday when he said, that the Bears could garner a first-round pick. And Waddle rightfully asked him, like, from who? And Shefty said, give me the teams that need quarterbacks. Yeah. I think that everybody would be interested for a first-round pick, possibly. I don't know if I would go that far. He also talked about how the trade market right now for Justin Fields is limited. So that means you're probably only dealing with a couple of different teams. But when you hear that, and I, I've got some of the odds here of teams Justin Fields is supposed to play for, I guess who's the team that you feel like would be willing to move on from a first-round pick for Justin Fields? Bears still odds-on favorite for Justin Fields to be playing with per DraftKings. Um, next season, he's he's uh, the the betting favorite right now. Atlanta Falcons uh, number two. Vegas Raiders is three. Raiders feels wrong because of Getzy. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't get why Getzy would run that back. Yeah. Four right now. Seahawks plus seven fifty. Uh, then you get into kind of the long shots, but I think the long shots are the team to watch out for. Denver's plus sixteen hundred. Pittsburgh's plus sixteen hundred. Patriots plus sixteen hundred. Vikings, Commanders, and Titans all plus 2,200 right now. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in terms of where I think the best fit for Justin would be, uh, in my opinion, would be the Atlanta Falcons, just because, mm -hmm. right, new coach Raheem Morris is there, new head coach, uh, new officer coordinator. Um, so you're going to have a whole new staff, and you've got weapons. Plus, he's from Georgia. He's from Kennesaw, Georgia. You've got a good young running back, John Robinson. You know, you've got a uh, good receiver in Drake London. Uh, Kyle Pitts is a really good uh, dog. You know what I mean? So you have an offense in which you have weapons already. Uh, you're bringing in a new regime to change the culture and dynamic and expectations in that locker room as well. So, you know, you're going to get a new system. So now it's the learning curve is, 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 is even amongst whoever's in that offensive, uh, in that offensive meeting room because – you're bringing in a new coordinator with a new system, so everybody's still learning uh, from from the ground up. And, you know, yes, it'll be another system that Justin Fields is in, but everybody's learning the same system. And when you have those type of weapons, dynamic weapons, like Kyle Pitts and Mijan uh, Robinson, who are, yeah. you know, Kyle Pitts is a mismatch out there uh, playing tight end out there on the perimeter, and you bring in, you know, the, the skill set that Justin has, and you look at what Atlanta had last year at quarterback. I mean, come on, it's a serious upgrade. So, you know, I think that would be a great spot for him going home uh, to play for the Falcons. You also, you talked about Pittsburgh, Pat. I think they're number, what, picking number 20th in the first round. Picking 20th in the draft right now, yeah. And, I mean, you have a scenario where you get an opportunity to go to a great coach like Mike Tomlin. You know, he got that team in the playoffs last year despite having a quarterback carousel. 
He had Mason Rudolph. He had uh, he had your boy, Mr. Bisky, man. He had your boy, Mr. Bisky, man. Hey, my boy. Why has he got to be my boy? He ain't my boy. Yeah, Kenny Pickett. I mean, come on, man. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, they got a new offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, who was the head coach of, of the Atlanta Falcons. He's coming in. So, you know, you've got a whole new offensive system. So the learning curve is going to be the same for everybody. Um, and then you look at the Patriots. Hell, I mean, they're – they're a team that needs a quarterback as well. So yeah, there, there, there's going to be a lot. I mean, put it like this, right? You look at all the top teams in the playoffs this year, besides Pittsburgh, right? They all had high-level quarterback play. Yeah. I mean, and if you don't have a quarterback in this league, like we said over and over every week on this podcast, you don't have nothing. So there's going to be teams that are going to be making that push to try to find a quarterback that can take them to the next level, especially if you don't have – uh, you know, a high draft pick and you don't have one of these quote unquote top tier quarterbacks that they keep talking about. Um, you're going to you're, you're going to go out there and you're going to fall in love with the skill set that Justin Fields has, because we know he can be a playmaker. It's just a question that we've had here in Chicago all year long. Was it him? Was it the system? Was it the play calling? Right. And, you know, him having an opportunity to go somewhere fresh, um, you know, to be coached up and developed by, you know, all these coaches and teams that I talked about. That are that can surround him with some weapons. Are we going to see the best of Justin Fields in another uniform? And you also said, Pat. I think you said uh, that betting site had the Bears. You know the yeah. I, DraftKings still has Bears as the favorite, right? Has the Bears. plus one on it, right? So you know it still remains to be seen what the Bears are going to do. I know everybody's saying right now that the Bears are going to take a quarterback at that number one spot. Uh, you know everybody's saying they're leaning toward Caleb Williams because he is a generational talent, but Justin Fields has has generational talents as well in terms of his skill set and his ability to make plays, you know, with his legs. And and you got to be enamored with the tools that he has as a quarterback. So the market, I think, will be hot. The Bears are in a good situation either way. I think what's interesting to me, right, when I look at kind of where I think guys are going to end up. So let's say, right, they move on from Justin. We end up taking Caleb. Okay, we got our quarterback at number one. Um, Two, like Washington's on that list. Probably Drake May. Yeah, or Jaden Daniels somewhere in there. Two and three is going to be Drake May, Jaden Daniels uh, between Washington and the Patriots. So to me, that kind of eliminates them. Cardinals, I think, are going receiver. Kyler's a good quarterback. He's just he's he's kind of a mid leader. Yeah, right. Maybe he can grow as a leader in the NFL, and and people will want to follow him a little bit more. But outside of that, right, when you get to Atlanta, to me, are you willing to kind of make the mistake that Pittsburgh made? And it's not to say I don't think Justin Fields can be a good quarterback in the NFL, but don't make a do we believe they're willing to make a trade just because of where somebody's from? Right. Pittsburgh went after Kenny Pickett because Kenny Pickett grew up in Pittsburgh. He went to Pitt. We're going to sell jerseys. (laughs) Right. Like, that's the reason I think that that Washington wants Caleb Williams. Right. He grew up here. He, he, He knows the town, went to high school here. We're going to sell jerseys. There's still a business at the end of the day. I don't know if I if I believe that the new regime in Atlanta is willing to make that mistake or willing to, I don't know about mistake, right? I think Justin could work out there and play well. Yeah. But are you willing to give the eighth overall pick for him? That's the part where I question that a little bit. The team I'm looking closest at, and you mentioned it, is, is the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? And if I was, I'm not a betting man, but if I was, that would be where I'd put my money on plus 1,600 for the Steelers because... To me, 
you've got everything there. You've got your wide receivers. You 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 need some improvements on the offensive line, no doubt. But you've got a running game. You've got uh, uh, some really good tight end play there in Firemouth. You've got a defense that everybody looks around and goes, why are you guys wasting these guys? And you've got the right head coach. Yeah. Right? No no matter what you yeah. say about what Tomlin did this year and what he has and hasn't been able to accomplish, he's got a, he, he's cemented there as a really good yeah. leader of that team. And so at 20, I think it's too far for Pittsburgh to say we're going to package – uh, um, draft picks together and move up to what six maybe and try and get Bo Nix or try and get JJ McCarthy yeah. right I think if you get maybe maybe they try to move up to 12 with Denver but like you're still giving away a lot of draft capital you got pieces you still need to build there versus if you make a trade for Justin Fields and I'm gonna be honest with you I'm a Fields guy y'all know this y'all I've said this on every pod I like Justin Fields I want him to be the franchise QB here but if they offer you the 20th pick in the draft, one, you take it and run. Yeah. You 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 have the paperwork in before they can hang up the phone. And two, that's a straight up deal. You're probably losing out on maybe what you could have gotten more draft capital from the pick, but you're getting a third pick here in the top 20 in this year's draft. I would be intrigued by that, and I think that's probably Pittsburgh's only way to get a quarterback out of this. Other than that, you're riding with Kenny Pickett, which I think we all believe has been a mistake. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like you said, being you know where they're sitting in the first round, like you said, you're gonna have to move to move up. You're gonna have to move up to get a lot in. Yeah. And, you know, you look at some of the other quarterbacks in the draft who aren't being talked about. You talked about McCarthy, but like you know. Uh, Michael Penix and, and Jaden Daniels, I think, is going to be an intriguing prospect as well. And, and th- here's the thing, too, right? And and we know this, the way that this this quarterback carousel is going to keep shuffling, right? When these teams actually get in and they start yeah. doing their, you know, their personal interviews and having these overnight visits where they got the quarterbacks and, you know, these prospects come in and they, you know, have dinner with the general manager. They really spend time with these guys and, and put them in meetings and put them on the board and see how much information they can retain and, and to really see what type of uh, character and traits and qualities that they have, you know, you may fall in love pre-draft process with a quarterback skill set, but when you bring him into your building and actually spend a lot of time with him, you may not, he may not be a fit in terms of his personality, in terms of what you've seen on the grease board. He may not be a fit in terms of the traits and, and, and what you're looking back or what you're looking for in terms of a, from a leadership standpoint, from a franchise quarterback standpoint, to lead your organization. So this board will change, and we've heard a lot of different things about Caleb Williams. Oh, yeah. he, he's a mama's boy. He's a crybaby. He's a playmaker. He's a generational talent. You know what I'm saying? And the funny thing is, like, there's going to be a lot of false reports out there. Like, there's going to be a lot of smoke and mirrors in terms of teams putting out reports about players so that way – you know, hopefully the other teams don't fall in love with players that they're looking at and hoping to bring in. So, you know, it remains to be seen. But like you said, though, when you had a collection of quarterbacks, Pickett, Rudolph, you know, those guys, and Trubisky, and, you know, credit to Mike Tom, you still made the playoffs? Like, come on, man. And you got a, a great a great hit. And the funny thing is, right, Mike Tom has never had a losing season, his tenure at Pittsburgh. And we're, we're talking about this man like he – it was a down year for Pittsburgh. It was a bad year, yeah. and they made the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's crazy. Like, I mean, it, it's phenomenal. So you bring, you have an opportunity to bring in a quarterback with a new offensive coordinator, 
that can help you, uh, you know, get back to to not just the play, playoffs, but to help you get to a Super Bowl with a hall with a future Hall of Fame head coach and Mike Tomlin, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, you know, I, that, they're definitely in play. Like you said, it is plus sixteen hundred. I mean, that's a sounds like a good bet to me. It's not. It's not bad, man. I yeah. mean, like, because I, I just. I don't see them. I think here's the flip side of it, too. One of the teams that's on that list, maybe they don't go quarterback. They're going to go veteran quarterback, Mm -hmm. right? And the veteran quarterbacks out there, who's going to pay Kirk Cousins? Is Baker Mayfield staying in Tampa? Um, Where's Russell Wilson going? Because he ain't going back to Denver, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I'll tell you this right now. He got his $37 to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So where's Russell Wilson going? Could Russ be an answer in Pittsburgh yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, but th- there are free agent quarterbacks out here that are going to be available that teams are going to bring in. That changes when I can just pay this guy and still have my draft pick, right? So I, I think that that's why, right? When Shefty said it's a limited pool for Justin Fields, it's because I like Justin. Yeah. I, I really think that he can be good and he can develop, but. The pool out there of quarterbacks that's available right now is better than what he is. Kirk Cousins right now is a better quarterback than Justin Fields is, and he comes to a team and instantly can help a team get better. Does he take you to a Super Bowl? Probably not, but he helps you get better. Um, Russell Wilson, same thing. I would say Baker Mayfield gives you some semblance of stability, at least at the quarterback position. Same thing, right? So it's, it's really one of those situations where you're dealing with probably the Atlantas and maybe Pittsburgh in this situation. And Atlanta's probably offering you up, you know, some second round draft capital. That's the other thing that has to happen here. Atlanta right now sits at 43 in the second round. They also have uh, 74 and Jacksonville's third. Maybe you can get a second and a third, get that Jacksonville pickup out of them for Justin Fields because they want him down there. That's the scenario where Pittsburgh goes, We'd rather have him. Boom. How about we offer you the 20th pick straight up? Yeah, and I think, too, when, when you're talking about the potential pool of free agent quarterbacks veteran, you yeah. know, that'll be available, it, the main thing it comes down to is scheme fits. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's got to be like when you look at or you talk about Kirk Cousins, right? There's only a certain amount of schemes that he can really fit in. You know, do you want a quarterback that can beat you with his arm and legs, you know, a dynamic guy? That's not that's not necessarily Kirk Cousins now. He can beat you from the pocket. He back there. He can beat you from the pocket, but you don't yeah. want to see Kirk Cousins out there running read zone and stuff like that. Like no. that's not a fit. And in Kirk Cousins camp, and he knows he's got to go to a team that's a good scheme fit for him as well. So there's some limitations as well. It depends on you know what these teams are, what type of system they're looking to run. It's going to really dictate what type of quarterback they're looking at free agency and how much, like you said, how much do you want to spend. You know, on these on these quarterbacks. Hey, Kirk said he won ninety mil for two. That's what I'm saying. You know, shout out to that boy, Kirk. Same thing with Baker. Like same thing. Baker had a great year this year, but guess what? Yeah. His his coach that he had there in Tampa was gone. So it's it's still you know is he going to stay there? Is Tampa going to pay overpay Baker? Uh, you know, it's just a matter of finding the right fit for whatever potential uh, free agent quarterbacks is out there. But when you look at Justin Fields, right? He has, he has a skill set that a lot of these guys don't have, right? He's got a great arm, but he's also, I mean, we, we know the mobility is, is without question his biggest yeah. strength. And I think that Justin is, he can, he's, he's a better scheme fit than a lot of these quarterbacks, meaning like you, go, you take him to a coordinator, they can change their scheme up because of 
the, the variety of, of in terms of his abilities that he has. You know what I'm saying? Whereas Kirk Cousins, you say, okay, we got to find a system where he's just a pocket passer. He's going to beat us from the pocket. Whereas Justin, there's a lot of different things that you can do with him because of his ability. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't know why this just popped in my head, but I hope to God, right? Like, I would love to see Justin go back home if we do unfortunately have to trade him. Mm-hmm. But Kirk Cousins in Atlanta would be lit. That would, <laughs> you know, what Kirk is on, dog. Yeah, I just, I just feel like, man, like I get it, but just imagine you running read zone, you know, with Justin. Hey, that'll be promise. nasty, though. That'll you know be nasty. Saying? Like that's, I mean, yeah. and then you, you, you know, you, you're doing the things that we wanted the Bears to do here last year with Justin, right? Yeah, you know, Justin, you know, he's he's running boot action, pulling up, throwing that ball deep to Kyler Pitts or Drake London. Like, come on, man, like. Yeah, that's, yeah that's that, hey, it'll be disgusting. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It'll be disgusting. I, that'll be. That's a coordinator's dream, man. Because look at it like this, right? You look at it like this. One thing that we we didn't have on our offense last year, right, was a guy that could just take the ball to distance, right? And we we call it 88 out the gate, right, where you hand that ball yeah. off, right, and he can just, boom, take it, 80-yard touchdown, Right. We didn't, we didn't have that type of dynamic player. Was DJ Moore that type of dynamic player? Yeah, he could do it. You know what I mean? But who else? We thought it was, we thought it was going to be Darnell Mooney. You thought Tyler Scott could give you that big playability, even though he was a rookie. You know what I'm saying? Like, Cole Komet had a career year, but he's not a guy that's going to just, you know, beat you downfield for a 70-yard bomb. Like, we didn't have that, that player that just could give you that, that explosive play like that. They could just take it the distance. When you look at the Atlanta Falcons, Bijan can take it the distance. Kyle Pitts is a tight end that can stretch the field, take it the distance. Drake London's a big play, you know, has the big playability. So, you know, that's something that we didn't have here in Chicago. We didn't have that just that home run hitter uh, in terms of an offensive weapon. We don't. We didn't have that. Yeah, that uh, that's true. And I think even when we did feel like right because I think Khalil could be that guy that has the speed and stuff like that but in the beginning Khalil wasn't running as hard when Khalil, Khalil started doing some of those hard runs that were boom I got the ball I'm gonna get you out of my way and take off yeah you end up getting injured then you got to work back from injury then you got it right like then you start that whole process so I, I I would say it would be very intriguing to watch Justin down there in in Atlanta and it would I mean, it would it would suck because I think he would be very successful. But hopefully we would have success here with the quarterback that we'd have in place and probably Caleb Williams. It does seem like uh, Shefty also talked about, uh, I believe it was on Pat McAfee first and then coming over on Waddle and Sylvie. That the feeling around the league is that the Bears will take Caleb Williams. It, al- it almost seems like this is only a conversation here in Chicago, um, basically. But that the rest of the world believes that Caleb Williams is – the obvious answer here for the Bears. But with that pick value, right? We've talked about the Justin Fields value, talking about the value that the pick could get. If the Bears were to move back just one spot with Washington, Shefty believes that they could get two number ones for trading that pick outside of whatever other draft capital would be including in that. But if you're getting two number ones and I'm, I'm assuming he didn't clarify this. So maybe I'm speaking out of turn on this, but I'm assuming that means not just the swap, but you're getting two number ones on top of it, right? Like you're getting two future picks and you're moving from one to two. If you're making a move like that, 
Does that seem like the more logical path to long-term success in the NFL? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, and we talked about it before the pod and, and what do those number ones look like? Is it the 25 yeah. and 26 number one? Does it include them, you know, the second pick? Like, it can't, I, like to me, it can't, like, that swap can't be one of those picks. You know what I mean? I need more. <laughs> I got, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. being greedy. You know what I mean? I want more. And, and get to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, and if I'm going to move <laughs> down, right, and I still have the potential to take, you know, I may not be Caleb Williams, you know what I mean? Because if Washington moves up, that's who they're going to take. But you can still – you're still right where you want to be. You still have an opportunity to take a quarterback. If you're going to keep – if if you're going to keep Fields now, you can draft Marvin Harrison, keep Fields, and now you still have, what, the ninth overall pick to get somebody else. And you're set up for future success, like Poles has been yeah. saying all along, I want to make sure that we're players in the draft and frequency every year uh, you know, so that way we can build upon and have consistent uh, success. So uh, if that happens, I mean, hell, that's a great – I think that's a good haul for the Bears moving down one spot. Uh, but it would, have to, yeah. it would have to see – you know, we'd have to see what that what those ones would look like in my opinion. And I think, I think the part where it intrigues me even more is options are still open. Yeah. Okay, we moved down to two. Washington takes, which I do think Washington showed their hand by hiring Chris oh, yeah, Cliff yeah, Kingsbury. I, I do. I, yeah. Like, I know a lot of people are like, this, and even Shefty said this yesterday, the two moves are independent. The two moves have nothing to do with each other. It's just they were willing to give him the one year when Oakland wa- or when uh, Vegas wasn't. Yeah. But it was basically the deal is done. Vegas is willing to give Kingsbury this. There was no dispute. And then all of a sudden, somebody else comes knocking at the door and was like, oh, I got that year you're looking yeah. for. Yeah, Vegas I got that extra year. year. Are you like, yeah, man. Yeah, Vegas was a two-year deal. And Washington two year, two-year and Washington deal. offered him the three. And he's still being paid by Arizona. Well, shout out, Cliff. Shout out, Cliff. Right? He's still being paid. Hey, he's still being paid by Arizona. So he wants that future... Uh, uh, um, stability, that future fi- stability, he's getting paid by two teams, that future financial uh, um, uh, what you know you're getting paid for an extra year outside of just the two years that he's already making money. I really do believe Washington kind of just swooped in there and was like, oh, they only give you two, we'll give you three, we'll give you all the money, uh, everything that they said they want and the extra year. Yeah, That to me is showing your hand a lot. I also take into account the fact that they have said publicly many times we want to win as soon as possible we want to win now we're not slow playing this thing we're trying to get as good as we can immediately and magic johnson is there think about every team magic johnson is on he like hey we finna start winning in this month sitting the pick winning and you know they want to generate more revenue what's come on now like you talked about right money like money talks in this it's about money don't get it twisted, guys. Like this league is about money. I thought it was about the players, J. It's about money. It's about <laughs> money. And and like you said when we first started the podcast, to get to get butts in those seats up there in Washington, well, guess what? The story, the scenario couldn't play out any better for Washington, right? Hey, we got a homegrown kid. We have an opportunity to bring a home a homegrown talent back here to DC, right? Yeah. And Everybody's going to be behind it. Imagine if they if they have an opportunity to land Caleb Williams, right? Imagine the jersey sales is going to go through the roof before he even takes a preseason snap. Oh my god! Before he even before he even gets to to that facility, the, before the first mini camp, guess what? There's going to be all kind of Caleb Williams 
Commanders jersey sold. And ownership knows that. Guess what? Magic Johnson knows that. Oh, yeah. a smart businessman. Oh, yeah. So guess what? When we talk about the commanders moving up one spot, and, and like Shefty said, right, I can – it could be two number ones. Well, guess what? Look. If you're the commanders, you got to look at it like this, Pat, and I don't know. This is how I would look at it. If I have an opportunity to bring in a generational talent, a guy who was homegrown, a guy that's going to help bring in revenue in year one, regardless if we win or not, he's still going to be must-see TV because everybody's going to either want to go out there and see him succeed, and they're going to have the hater that's going to want to go out there and see him fail. So either way, they're buying tickets, right? Yep. But at the same time, I'm, 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 giving up, I'm giving up those two future picks, but it's about the present, right? It's about what we're looking at right now. We got a chance to to bring in that 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 commodity, that Caleb Williams commodity, that's going to help generate revenue and help, you know, uh, riot, uh, you know, help um, gen, uh, help get our fan base excited about the Commanders again. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody else does that either. I think that's the, and I will say this. Here's the thing: I've, I'm going through, I'm doing an exercise. I've started recording it where I should get you on some of this as well, J-Mac, where I just go through the games. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching the whole game. I'm watching all the offensive snaps. I'm not watching the defense. The defense was horrible. Which, yeah, right? No, no, I'm, I'm re-watching all of Caleb Williams' okay. games to try almost to say like, okay, I'm a Justin Third. Fields fan, yeah. but my mind is open. Convince me that you're the answer. I ain't going to lie. The boy can play. <laughs> he can play. He can you play. you can sit there and you can yeah, talk about him painting his fingernails, crying to his mama, not talking to the media. Yeah. All the, the boy can play. Lewis, 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 he's, man, Lewis Riddick, right? And I and I love yeah. Lewis Riddick. Lewis, I love following Lewis Riddick. I think he's an intelligent football mind. He's a frequent visitor. Uh, he always jumps on you know ESPN one thousand Chicago. You yeah. did a little plug in there again. But, yeah, a little plug, little plug, but, little plug. We got to get Lewis on the pod. Right, right. Hey, yeah, yeah, Lewis, we need you on the pod, man. I'm hyping you up, man. You got to come on our pod. But he, <laughs> he, I don't know if you saw it, Pat. The other day, he tweeted out a video, and it was, I think it was like fourth and one or fourth and three, Caleb Williams, right? So he runs, a, uh, it looks like it's a read zone, and he pulls it and he reverses out back to his left. Mm-hmm. And the defensive end's bearing down on him. He throws the ball off platform. He throws it like underneath the defensive end, and he throws a dart in the corner of the end zone. And I think it was to Brendan Rice, who's the the yeah. uh, son of Hall of Fame wide receiver Jerry Rice. He throws it right in the right on the sideline and kind of like in the uh, by the front pylon, yeah, puts yeah. it in a spot to where only the receiver can get it. The defender's draped all over his back. And I saw that, I was like, oh, I was like. Oh, shoot. Like, wow. And those are the type of plays and and arm angles and different things like that, quick decisions that you got to make in this game, right? Because regardless if you have the the best offensive line, right, if you've you've got a veteran offensive line, whatever your protection scheme is, there's going to be plays like that in which the quarterback's going to have to be the X factor, right? The quarterback's going to have to be the guy that's just going to have to beat you with his ability. And we see that over and over again. With with the team that's in the in the Super Bowl right now, a team that has a chance yeah. to win back to back Super Bowl champ, uh, Super Bowl rings because of that quarterback play and Pat Mahomes, right? And it's the fact that hey, you got a great head coach, or you may have a great coaching staff or a great scheme, but it's gonna come, you know, it's gonna come up over and over again in games to where the quarterback is gonna have to just make a play with his ability, right? Just with his talent, because there's no perfect call. Right, there's no perfect scenario. There's scenarios where 
the player is going to trump the scheme. He's going to trump the call. And that's what we see the great quarterbacks do in this league over and over again. Like I talked about before, the teams that are in the playoffs now, they have those type of quarterbacks, right, that are – they accentuate the play, which means the play breaks down. They make a play because of their skill set. And, yeah. uh, and Caleb Williams, you, you saw that last year. You saw that the year he won the Heisman Trophy. You see that throughout his entire collegiate career, and I, that's why he's such a hot commodity right now. That's why he's going – you know, he's, he's worthy of the number one pick because he has that type of ability and decision-making – uh, to make plays like that when everything breaks down. Yeah, and I think what when you look at right his his ability to do that, the one thing that I'll say I see more consistently than I have seen with Justin, I think that does go to scheme. I also think that goes to Justin Fields not having a willingness to always pull the trigger and trust what he's seeing out there is right like I guess I've seen Justin make the off schedule throws yeah. I've seen him make the one legged going the wrong way what the heck was that throws I've seen I, I know the kid can do all the off schedule stuff but Caleb to me more consistently is willing to attack the middle of the field and that's the one part about Justin's game that I think we haven't seen enough of now at the same time I don't think we saw enough scheme to the middle of the field last year. We saw no slants. Everything was behind the line of scrimmage. Everything, the, the couple of times that we did see a slant and Justin actually would hit it, it'd be like, oh, snap. You mean that play works? Like, it, 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 are you telling me years of football are correct? That slants are actually a good thing and it's moving you forward. But I see Caleb hit that throw a lot more often because I know all of the, all the runs, all the off schedule stuff, Justin got that. The question for me that I need to see, and you're taking a gamble because you need to see it next year, is will he develop to a point where he trusts what he's seeing over the middle, where he trusts what he's seeing and has a willingness to make that take that shot sometimes. And I think we saw that come on a little bit later in the season last year, right? More willing to throw it to DJ Moore, had more of a trust with DJ Moore, was willing to give Cole Komet those shots over the middle uh, all the time, but being on time, not being late about them, being accurate on those throws, those are the things you do need to see. And I see those in Caleb, at least at a college level. And I think that's the that's the part that people don't, right? Like, yes, he's great in college. Mm-hmm. I, and I always say this, you know who the greatest college quarterback I've ever seen is? Good. It's Tim Tebow. Yeah. He's the greatest college quarterback in my mind of all time. And he couldn't get a 15-yard pass out in the NFL on a consistent basis. And that's the scheme. That's like at Florida, I mean, you're running quarterback power. You know, when he came in the league, there wasn't – teams weren't running quarterback power. You know, now you have teams running quarterback design runs. Look at Josh Allen running quarterback power. Even when Cam Newton came in the league, like you had to to change your offense up based upon these guys' skill sets because they were such dynamic athletes – that played quarterback, you know what I'm saying? And when Tim Tebow came in the league, you know, it was more of a, what, a league that uh, that relied on. Drop back and throw that money. wanted pocket passers, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you, you go back and look at before your time, like Charlie Ward was a guy who was like that, the quarterback from Florida State. He, he opted to go yeah. to the NBA because, like, <laughs> he wasn't a pocket passer. He was a dynamic quarterback that had the ability to do a lot of different things that teams in, in yeah. the NFL at that time they weren't doing, you know, the creativity is at an all time high in the NFL in terms of being innovative and, and, you know, doing things that are that are that are not normal, you know, going against the grain. Right. Like, you know, teams are putting together concepts that are that we haven't seen now uh, that we haven't seen in a long time in the NFL or they haven't been seen at all. 
And you yeah. always have to, as a coordinator, you have to find ways to be innovative. You have to find ways to give your 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 uh, your offense, your defense, a competitive edge, right? That's why you see so many exotic defenses, right? You see seven guys on the line of scrimmage and you got guys bailing or you got guys coming because you've got to try to confuse quarterbacks. You can't sit back there and just play basic coverages anymore, right? Because these quarterbacks have seen a lot of things, but guess what? These quarterbacks now, the elite ones, they have the yeah. ability, right, to hurt you if the play breaks down with their legs. They're throwing off platform. Like, I mean, the quarterback play is is, is at an all-time high right now. It's crazy. It, it is. I mean, you, you talk about a QB, and, and I think that's why this is intriguing. Because here's here's my, my honest opinion. Either way, the Bears go. Mm-hmm. From the tape that I've seen on Caleb, and from watching Justin's tape for three years now and what we saw at the end of the season last year, the Bears are a better team either way next year. The Bears are, I, I think that they're a nine, uh, uh, eight to nine win team at a minimum next season and should have been this season if you didn't have a couple coaching decisions shoot you right in the middle of your foot. Yep. But I, I think they're an eight to nine win team next season no matter what decision they make, the question is, can you get which quarterback is going to get you past that? So to me, you're making this decision based on who has the higher ceiling at the NFL level and who's going to develop the fastest at the NFL level. Because it is there's there's a speed to this. I would love to say that, you know, six years down the road. Justin Fields finally has it figured out. We've got our franchise quarterback, and he's he's elite, and he's making all the throws. But six years down the road, this defense will not look the same. Yeah. You usually got, what, four-year windows with a defense usually? And your window just opened. Yeah. You added Montez Sweat, and all of a sudden, everybody can pay. You're about to pay Jalen Johnson. Yeah. So there is a speed that needs to happen with this. I guess it's, will Caleb develop quicker than Justin it's probably the question more people should be asking. Yeah, hundred percent. So it's uh, like we said, man. It's 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 good to to be in the situation uh, that we're in. Um, we're in a great it's the spot. best quarterback conversation we've ever it's had to tell you. in and, Chicago. And like you were talking about, right? You were talking about how Justin didn't really challenge the middle of the field, right? And yep. is it Justin? Is it the scheme? The play calling? The one thing that 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 I don't want to see here. Right. Justin goes to a team like we talked about Pittsburgh. You know, he goes to a team that needs a quarterback that that uh, does put him in that situation where now, damn, like this dude's hitting things. He's he's making plays all over the field with his arm because of the system, because of the development that's taking place in that organization. You know, something that wasn't taking place here and you see him excel. And then, you know, that's the one thing that, you know, People here in Chicagoland who are enamored and love Justin Fields, you know, me too. I'm being one of them. I, I'm a Justin Fields guy. You don't want to see him go somewhere else and blossom because of the factors that that he couldn't control here in Chicago. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I, I think Caleb Williams is a great talent as well. You know, I probably haven't watched as much film as you on him, Pat. Uh, but, you know, just from what I've seen, the times that I've seen him play uh, live, just watching games or – you know, different things like that. He does have the ability, he does have the talent, and that's why you see, you know, he's such a highly coveted quarterback because he has, like I said before, he has the ability, right, to 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 be the eraser, right? Bad, bad call. He can erase that bad call and make that play a good call because of his ability. And that's yeah. something that you gotta have here in Chicago. We see Patrick Mahomes do it all the time. 
Andy Reid's a great offensive mind. He's got the track record. He's a great coach. But guess what? Bad play, play breaks down, or you know, we we don't pick somebody up for protection. Well, guess what? I know I have a quarterback, regardless of that, that can be the eraser that can still make a play if I don't have the perfect play call because of his ability. Uh, listen, I don't know, man. Like I think this year is the greatest thing for coaching matters. Matt Nagy took over play calling. Yeah. All of a sudden, we're looking at Pat Mahomes like, "Hey, bro, what's going on with you?" Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, he 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 his he's still here. I'm not taking nothing away. I do think Andy Reid took that play calling back, but hey, he's not gonna he's not gonna put it out there, right? He's not gonna say you got to play your best ball. He's trying to figure out who Patrick Mahomes. Like, wait a minute, first of all, wait a minute. <laughs> who I got out here first? Like, who I got? Yeah. <laughs> who am I throwing these dark? Who who's on my dartboard? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, who's on my get there is Tony. Get off Instagram live. Right, right, right. And then now, you know, it's like, hey, and and, and, he, and he figures it out. And then those guys understand, like, they start playing their best ball win when it matters. Yeah. And that, I mean, yeah, no. You know what I mean? He, it, it, when it matters. You got to get in the tournament. He's, he's the quarterback that you want here in Chicago is what he is because, and not just to say, right, a generational talent. Of course you want that. Um, but a quarterback that can transcend what the team is going through. You look at the wide receiver room, you go, oh, we got, all right, we got, uh, we got MVS. We got Kadarius Tony, kind of. Uh, <laughs> we got Trav. I got Trav. I still got my boy Trav. Yeah. Trav getting a little older. Taylor Swift's here for some reason. I don't know what happened there, but we got Trav. And the defense really took that next leg. But you yeah. can see that. As they're gonna go, they're gonna go in the draft. They're gonna address wide receiver. They're probably gonna find a next great wide receiver because it's gonna be their focus. They're gonna address the uh, 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 some different things on the offensive line. Uh, that's really been their biggest issue over the past couple of years. Where I'm just like, dog, put some tackles around this dude. But I think that you want a quarterback that can transcend the changes that your team has gone through, and you went from being the anomaly of offense to now being a shocking offense because all, everybody's going, oh, this is not what we're used to seeing. But now the defense, I mean, the defense on the first Super Bowl, let's be real, it was Tyron Matthew. Like all we talked about, on the, nobody talked about nobody else on that defense. Yeah. It was the Honey Badger. Hey, who made that play a safety? The Honey Badger. Who was that in linebacker? The Honey Badger. Who got that sack? The Honey Badger. He was everywhere on the defense. He was Dove Badger. That's what we... <laughs> Right? What'd you call him? Dub Brisker well, Brisker, earlier? He was, like, he was like Dub Badger. Dub Brisker. So you saw a defense go from like, oh, yeah, they're out there. You yeah. know what I mean? To now a defense that I'm like, they're one of the best defenses in the NFL. That's the kind of quarterback that you want to have in there that can transcend the ebbs and flows of the NFL. That's how you get the 20-year guys. Mm -hmm. No, 100%. I think, uh, yeah, but, I mean, it, it goes back to if you have that type of quarterback, right? You're giving you're giving yourself uh, uh, more than a, a betting chance to win, you know. What I'm saying? Yeah. Just because, like, he has the ability to trump a bad play call. He has the ability to make a bad play call right. He has ability to 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 not be a game manager to go out there and win you a game. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's you got to have one of those guys, and that's what these teams are looking for. And you know, it, it's. It, it, and you can even look at it with the 49ers, right? Let's talk about this matchup. Look at the 49ers. Like, Absolutely. You know, Brock Purdy, 
Mr. Irrelevant, who's now relevant because of what he's done. And, you know, I think it's they're talking about, you know, people say that Brock Purdy uh, has had the type of success he had because of the weapons around him. Yeah, I agree. Like you've got some great offensive weapons. Right. And I would say early on in, in Brock Purdy's career, early on in the season, early on in the season that. He was more of a game manager. Let me just get this ball to Debo. Let him go make a play. Yep. Let me get this ball to Kittle. Let me turn around and hand this ball off to McCaffrey or throw the ball out there in the flat or swing route to McCaffrey and let him take a distance. Oh, I forgot I got Brandon Ayuk. <laughs> let me get it the ball to Brandon Ayuk, right? Early on in the season, I think that's, you know, him being a game manager. Look, you don't have to do nothing special. We got weapons. Just distribute the ball to your playmakers. But what have we seen throughout this playoffs, right? We've seen that because of, you know, Brock Purdy, him having success early with the playmakers he's ha- he has surrounding him, his confidence level has grown to where you look at that game, you know, a few weeks ago playing the Detroit Lions NFC Championship game in which you see Brock Purdy scrambling, right, uh, you know, extending drives, you know, his confidence growing, he's making plays. So I think Brock Purdy's gone from this year being that, that game manager to being a playmaker because his confidence has grown. Yes, he has the weapons around him, but his confidence has grown. When you see that, yeah. you know, you're making plays, yes, it's to Kittle and all those guys, your confidence is going to grow because you're doing it week after week after week, and you go out there and say, you know what, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to throw two touchdowns today. You know what I mean? I can go out here and I'm going to win this game today. I'm going to go out here and play uh, play elite at quarterback. Yeah, I have weapons, but because now my confidence has grown, I belong. This is my job. I'm not looking over my shoulder. I can go out here and make plays for this team when it's needed. And we saw that in the, in the NFC Championship game against the Detroit Lions. Brock Purdy made plays in that game. You know, he, was, he wasn't a game manager in that game. You know, he went out and he was making plays from the quarterback position. A guy who was taking the last pick in the draft. You know, and it's, it's a perfect situation for him, but his confidence grew because – He's in a system, right, which you have an elite play caller that's going to that's gonna make sure his offense is built around the skill set of his quarterback, but also he has weapons around him. And the result of that is you have a quarterback whose confidence has grown despite where he was drafted. Yeah, and I, Purdy to me is in a – he's in a really good situation. And I do think that there is some game manager right now in there. I think he has that gene of game changer. And what I'll say is this. I've said this a lot. And this is why, to me, this Super Bowl could be the spark of something that we've seen. And I think that there's more to be talked about when you get that quarterback position. Look at Pat Mahomes. Look at what Brock Purdy can do, right? When you get to step in and you don't have to be the best player on your team. Yeah. That allows you the time to become the best player on your team. In 2001, and I was seven, so I I can't speak to how everybody was viewing him, but did y'all think Tom Brady was a generational talent? Yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah. I got to look back. That's a lot. Because I'm saying in 01, right, he steps in, Bledsoe gets hurt, yeah. all of that. He steps in, he becomes a starter for 15 of the, or 14 of the six, 16 games that year. And if, he was just kind of like, don't get, don't mess it up. We got something going here. Don't mess it up. But they go on to the Super Bowl and they win it. Yeah. He was, to me, a game manager. He was, don't screw this up. Go out there, 18 yeah. touchdowns, 12 interceptions. You know what I mean? It was only 2,800 yards. He wasn't throwing the football a ton. Very different NFL, right? right? But he was 
that it was more of a hey, like you're here. If you mess this up, you won't be here. So stay here, and we're gonna get to this Super Bowl and win it. Yeah. That next season, the jump is astronomical because it's it's like you said. Brady's now confident. I'm a Super Bowl champion. I can go out here and sling this pill. I can make things happen. Now, all of a sudden, he's used to the weapons he's throwing to. They have a down season, but Tom Brady looks like the quarterback of the future there. Yeah, and you look at it, too. I just pulled it up, that team, because, man, you went back. You went back, man. Like, the defense, too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Yeah. they had a good defense. Yeah, Teddy Bruschi was on that defense. Richard Seymour. Mike Vrabel was on that defense, Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, who's a dog, was on that defense as well. Um, yeah, so like you said, it's, you know, it's, it goes to a point to where as a quarterback, you're putting him in there, like, look here, man, don't screw this up. Like, don't, yes. don't F this up. You know what I mean? Here, just don't, don't. I'm giving you the keys to this car. I just want you to drive this car from here to such and such without getting into an accident. What yeah. you got to do? Just don't, don't, hey, we don't want no scratches. I just want you to drive the car straight. Hell, put it in cruise control. I don't care. But just stay in your lane. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> stay in your damn lane. Just stay in your lane. I don't need you to do nothing out of the ordinary. I don't need you to try to race that, that Ferrari right next to you. Just stay in your lane. But you, like you said, you go from that, you start having success. Well, damn, like, <laughs> This car does get up to ninety miles. Right, you lean a little bit. Up. This thing got some. You know, this thing got some giddy up. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, right, that confidence <laughs> grows. <laughs> that confidence grows, and now you're out there. You know, Tom Brady got that Ti on that riding on twenty fours. <laughs> right, right. You know, so yeah, I, I just I mean, a quarterback's confidence, man. It's it's it, it's that's what it like. You have to your quarterback has to feel confident. He has to feel like he's in a successful situation. He has to feel like he's in a scheme, right, that's going to help make him successful. He has to feel like, you know, he has the confidence uh, of the building. Like, he has to feel like people are confident in his abilities to go out there and play at a high level. He has to feel confident in his supporting cast. Like, and when you don't have that, when you have a quarterback that's questioning the game plan, uh, not sure who's going to show up week in, you know, week in and week out and make yep. plays for you. You know, who can I count on? You know, who's my guy? Who's my security blanket? If you don't have that and you're asking a young quarterback to come in and just change the game, you know, from, from day one, not a lot of guys doing that. There's not. Yep. I mean, C.J. Stroud's an anomaly. He came in and did it, but there's not a lot of guys doing that. You thought, like, look at the Panthers. You thought Bryce Young was the guy that can come in and do that. I didn't think that, but you know, hey, listen, that's, that's a generational thought. talent. That's what they thought. That's a generational talent. Yeah, yeah that's mean? what they thought. But I mean, like, it's, and it's, you know, it's <laughs> what was around him? Nothing. Adam Thielen. You see what I'm saying? That tells you all you need to know. Adam Thielen. You see what I'm saying? And now, now you're at a point to where we talk about confidence, right? How, how shot is his confidence now in himself? Like, you have a guy coming out who's all everything. You know, at Alabama, confidence is sky high, has the players around him, has the talent around him at Alabama. You're getting the best of the best, right? Yeah. Now you come into a situation to where you're the guy. You know, you have to lead. You have to make plays. You can't be just a game manager. You have to do this. You have to do that. And all of a sudden, you know, you can't do it. You're getting hit. I mean, you're throwing picks. You're, I mean, you're just all over the place. 
Yeah. Where's his confidence now? You know, now you've got to try to not only rebuild him as a player, rebuild you got to rebuild his confidence. No, 100%. He's he's I pray for Bryce. I ain't going to lie. I told y'all last year. I watching the tape back again, right? Like I I think about everything Justin Fields has gone through and then like basically just make him a foot shorter. Cuz he Bryce is legit 5-8. I took a picture with Bryce um, <laughs> on the sideline this year. Actually snuck a picture of Bryce. I didn't take one with him because I wanted to see how tall he, you know, I wanted to see how tall he was. And yeah, I took a picture, a buddy of mine was on the sideline with me, and I took a picture of him standing next to Bryce. Bryce didn't know what we were doing, you know, because he probably gets that a lot. Like everybody wants to see how tall he is. Yeah. He was tiny, man. I'm sorry. Dude's tiny. I, felt like a, <laughs> I felt like a giant <laughs> standing next to him. And that's and that's what's crazy. It's like, dog, like you really are like there's no way you can see the middle of the field. Man, there's no way you can see downfield. The funniest thing that uh, that I saw this year, you know, having the privilege of being on the sideline watching these games up close and personal was Bryce Young rolling out to his left, Montez Sweat chasing him from his blind side. And it was like, bro, it was like Debo chasing, like, <laughs> Debo chasing, Smokey. like, Smokey, bro. Like, no, not even Debo. <laughs> Debo chasing Ezel for all you Friday viewers, like, Debo chasing Ezel, like Ezel stole something from Debo, and and you see, like, I mean, it was crazy. No, it, it, little little cat and mouse game. He was playing a little Tom and Jerry on that one. And every time Bryce dropped back, it was like a tree. Uh, it was like him in a forest of like California redwoods, and he's just trying to find a little opening. Like, and that play, and 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 that play, and I mean, that protection would break down, and he would get erratic. His his eyes would go down and he's running. He like it was crazy, man. Even with Kyle yeah. Murray, the same thing with Kyle Murray. I saw the same thing. Like, dude could not see. And well, I think the thing with Kyler is Kyler has adapted. Kyler has almost adapted his his running ability to be the main reason that he's going to be able to see down the field. Yeah, like he takes off quick to me. Like it's not like I'm back in the pocket chilling back here. He's like. Hey man, I don't see what's out there. Let me roll right yeah. and see. Up oh, there he is, boom! And he and he's a little more quick, decisive, and it that's gonna take time for Bryce to get to. But I don't know, man. That's a that's a he in a bad situation. That, I feel bad for Bryce. He got a bad owner down there. He got it, it's it's tough times out there. Yeah, you, um, it's, it's tough, man. You talk about being quick and decisive for Bryce, right? Hey, it's one thing to get out of the pocket. Get your eyes down, feel quick, and not have nobody to throw the damn ball to. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, <laughs> hey, that's the worst thing in the world. At least, at least, uh, uh, you know, Kyler got Hollywood. He had, he had DeAndre. Hey, he has some names out there. Yeah. That Bryce rolling right, and he like yeah. feeling fell down. God damn, <laughs> get the old man off the field. Talk about a, a setup for failure. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we're gonna we want the number one overall pick. We're going to take Bryce. We're going to give away our number one receiver. Like, come on. We're, I mean, that's, you know. Hey, and that's why I'm saying, Washington, how desperate are you, baby? Because I don't see no success coming from that situation. Uh, let's finish it off here, man. Uh, uh, quick pick for you. What are your Super Bowl thoughts? Who do you have winning this game? Who do you feel like is going to uh, come out on top here? Yeah, man, it's, it's tough. You know, I, I uh, man, it, it's so hard to go against. Patrick Mahomes for all those reasons yeah, that we've been discussing. Huh? 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't pick against them. Yeah, I <laughs> I'll be I late to that part. I pick, I pick the Ravens over the Chiefs, and I learned my lesson. Patrick said, "How dare you? How dare you insult <laughs> me like that? How dare you insult me like that?" Andy Reid, I know better. I'm sorry, Coach. I know. Better, <laughs> hey, see, that's why Coach Reid don't be picking up when you call. You that's why. I know better, man. Like I, man, I just, you know, it's just they've been there before. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they make big moments, right? We see the, the, the guys on the biggest stages who who has the experience, who 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 have been there before. They make plays. We started with Kelsey in the AFC Championship game, right? He's been there multiple times. So guess what? I'm you for two touchdowns. It's nothing. It's nothing. I've been there. You know, was he eleven for eleven, two tutties, and like uh, yeah, it was crazy. I, what I will say is this: I, I don't think. The only person I could see cracking, I don't think they'll utilize him enough because I think that's what happened realistically with the Ravens situation that um, Lamar ended up uh, 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 cracking under the pressure because he hadn't been in that situation before. Zay Flowers cracked under the pressure, pressure, hadn't been in that situation before, right? Like there was too much happening and then the Chiefs knew how to make plays. So they end up losing. The only guy I see cracking because he hasn't been in this situation before is probably Purdy. Yeah. But I don't think that they'll utilize him enough. I think this is going to be a, a, a what, what did Brady do his first Super Bowl or even Terry Bradshaw. Bradshaw's got a Super Bowl where he was like nine for 15 for one touchdown. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be that kind of game because it's going to be. We're not going to let you lose this. We're not going to let your confidence be shattered. We're going to go out here and we're going to find a way to win this. I'm probably still, I think this is going to be a very competitive game, but I got to go Chiefs. I I still, just the experience at the quarterback position, I think will make enough of a difference. Yeah, and I think when you look at this game too, right, you look at, I mean, it's all about matchups, right? So, you know, Kansas City Chiefs, they got better as the season went on defensively. Yeah. But the matchups, I mean, there's so many matchups in this game, right, and in terms of the 49ers having so much on offense, right? And and the thing about it is, right, if you – if the Kansas City Chiefs, if Kelsey isn't clicking, that puts a lot of stress on Patrick Mahomes, right? That puts a lot of stress on this offense, right? Who's the next guy that's going to uh, make plays if Travis Kelsey is not performing? Well, flip side, the 49ers, if, if – if, if Kittle's not performing, well, I can go to Ayuk. Ayuk's not performing, yeah. well, guess what? I got Debo. Debo's not performing, yeah. well, I can turn around and hand that ball off to McCaffrey, but I can also split McCaffrey out, put him on a linebacker or a safety, and I'm st- I still have a mismatch. You know, that's the beauty of, of what Sanford has. On top of having such an innovative and elite play caller in Kyle Shanahan, who's, I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like, that. that's, that's where, that's, that's, that's what I look at this match today. Yep. Like, that's what makes me want to go against Patrick Mahomes. But like you said, the experience is key. You know, and, and Patrick Mahomes, like, we've seen it time and time again. Cards stacked up against him. Oh, Kelsey's not performing. Well, he finds a way. He finds a way to get it done. And I think he'll find a way to get it done, you know, on Sunday. Yeah, that's that's my expectation. Uh, we, we talked about... Uh, a former teammate of yours, Devin Hester, being expected to get the call. He has not gotten a call yet, but being expected to get the call for him to head into the Hall of Fame. Um, what does that mean to have been a part of that Hall of Fame career? And uh, 
what are your feelings right now about, you know, one of your brothers, one of your best friends, yeah. honestly. I, I hear about Devin from you more than I've ever heard about Devin. So, yeah, like, uh, one of your best friends uh, being able to get that call. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, when he gets the call, whether it's this year, next year, you know, hope, praying for it to be this year, it, it's going to be special. Uh, and I know it's going to be special to him. It's something that's been on his mind, you know, every single year that, that has come up, you know, especially the first year. Um, and he was crushed the first year. He didn't get the call. Um, you know, he wanted to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He felt like he was going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So uh, that crushed him. And, you know, the past few years, he's had the attitude of, you know what, you know, I know I'm going to get in. Um, so when I get in, it's going to be extra special, whether it was the first time, second time, or this time, it's going to be yeah. extra special. So, you know, I know he's excited. Um, and, you know, I know he's on pins and needles trying to find out if this is going to happen. You know, myself and, you know, all of all of us who play with Devin, who've had the opportunity to block for him on, you know, one of his many returns, we're all excited for him. It's going to be a nice, uh, a, a huge party out there in Canton when it happens. Uh, we'll probably be partying all year. Uh, you know, in March, we're, we're my family, his family, we're going on vacation. So, you know, it, it's going to be we're hoping it's, a, it's an elite party, man, celebrating the, the illustrious career of Devin. Um, but he's definitely a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer in life. He's a Hall of Fame dad. He was a Hall of Fame teammate. Um, you know, and, and we talk about Devin, right? We, we know all the accolades. But what people don't see and what people don't know is him as a man, him as a teammate. You know, he's the first person that will give you the shirt off his back. Um, I've seen Devin take younger guys under his wing. You know, hey, come stay with me. Oh, you're looking for a place to stay? Come stay with me. Like, uh, you know, let me show you the ropes. Let me show you Chicago. That's the type of, uh, you know, character – that's his type of character that he has. Um, he's just a, he's an elite player, but he's an elite person. He was an elite teammate as well. So, you know, when this thing when this thing happens, it's going to be great. And you know, I hope it happens uh, on this annou- announcement on Thursday. Hey man, we, we I think one thing's for certain: we going we going to Canton this year, one way or the other. But uh, it will be amazing to see uh, somebody who wowed me. I mean, like, listen, I I, <laughs> I don't have a lot of great. Bears memories in my 28 years of 29 years, almost 30 years of life on this earth. Um, Devin Hester is a big chunk of those. Um, somebody who was just, he, he was amazing on the field to watch. Um, he was the best at what he did at the time. I don't know if I believe that they changed rules for him. I think like the lawsuits probably played more a part in that, but I think that it did. All of a sudden teams were like, oh, well, we're just not going to, now we have no choice but to kick the ball over them. We yeah. feel so much safer now. Uh, I think the rule changes made teams feel a lot more comfortable kicking towards Devin's direction. And, uh, man, I, I think we got three Bears going in to the hall this year. Of course, um, uh, Steve Mongo McMichael should have been in. Yep. Uh, I think uh, Pep is a, is an easy one. If they don't call him, uh, we riot. And then uh, D Hest is going to be in there as well. So I'm just looking for the invite to the party. I don't know if I get the plus one. Do I get a ten? I, I mean, I, we'll see. I, I'll be down in Canton. Don't worry about it. Let me know that. Uh, it's going to be excited. Appreciate y'all for tuning in to another episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. You're not getting this kind of Bears insight anywhere else uh and we appreciate you guys for showing love for jason mckee i'm pat the designer back at it again bear down chicago bear down. Peace.